Part 1, Chapter 3, Section 30 of The Life of Jesus Critically Examined by David Friedrich Strauss, translated by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 1, History of the Birth and Childhood of Jesus. Chapter 3, Announcement of the Conception of Jesus, Its Supernatural Character, Visit of Mary to Elizabeth. Section 3, Relation of Joseph to Mary, Brothers of Jesus. Our Gospels, in the true spirit of the ancient legend, find it unbecoming to allow the mother of Jesus, so long as she bore the heavenly germ, to be approached or profaned by an earthly husband. Consequently, Luke, in chapter 2, verse 5, represents the connection between Joseph and Mary, prior to the birth of Jesus, as a betrothment merely. And, as it is stated respecting the father of Plato after his wife had become pregnant by Apollo, Hothen katharan gamu fulaxai, heostis apokuiseos, so likewise it is remarked of Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 verse 25, kai uk eg inosken autin, heos u eteke ton oion autis ton prototokon. In each of these kindred passages, the Greek word heos, or till, must evidently receive the same interpretation. Now, in the first quotation, the meaning is incontestably this, that till the time of Plato's birth, his father abstained from intercourse with his wife, but subsequently assumed his conjugal rights, since we hear of Plato's brothers. In reference, therefore, to the parents of Jesus, the heos cannot have a different signification. In each case, it indicates precisely the same limitation. So, again, the expression prototokos, or firstborn, used in reference to Jesus in both the Gospels, in Matthew chapter 1 verse 25, and Luke chapter 2 verse 7, supposes that Mary had other children, for, as Lucian says, e men protos umonos, e demonos uprotos even in the same gospels in matthew chapter 13 verse 55 and luke chapter 8 verse 19 mention is made of the brothers of jesus in the words of fritia lubentissima post jesu natales miriam concessit mattaius uxorem Josepo, in hoc uno occupatus Nequis ante Jesu primordia mutua venere usos suspicaretur. But this did not continue to satisfy the Orthodox, as the veneration for Mary rose even higher. She, who had once become fruitful by divine agency, was not subsequently to be profaned by the common relations of life. The opinion that Mary, after the birth of Jesus, became the wife of Joseph, was early ranked among the heresies, and the Orthodox fathers sought every means to escape from it and to combat it. They contended that according to the exegetical interpretation of heos u, it sometimes affirmed or denied a thing not merely up to a certain limit, but beyond that limitation and forever, and that the words of Matthew, uk eginosken autin heos u eteke, etc., excluded a matrimonial connection between Joseph and Mary for all time. In like manner, it was asserted of the term prototokos, 
that it did not necessarily include the subsequent birth of other children, but that it merely excluded any previous birth. But in order to banish the thought of a matrimonial connection between Mary and Joseph, not only grammatically but physiologically, they represented Joseph as a very old man, under whom Mary was placed for control and protection only, and the brothers of Jesus mentioned in the New Testament they regarded as the children of Joseph by a former marriage. But this was not all. Soon it was insisted not only that Mary never became the wife of Joseph, but that in giving birth to Jesus she did not lose her virginity. But even the conservation of Mary's virginity did not long continue to satisfy. Perpetual virginity was likewise required on the part of Joseph. It was not enough that he had no connection with Mary. It was also necessary that his entire life should be one of celibacy. Accordingly, though Epiphanius allows that Joseph had sons by a former marriage, Jerome rejects the supposition as an impious and audacious invention and from that time the brothers of Jesus were degraded to the rank of cousins. Some modern theologians agree with the fathers of the church in maintaining that no matrimonial connection subsisted at any time between Joseph and Mary, and believe themselves able to explain the gospel expressions which appear to assert the contrary. In reference to the term firstborn, Olhausen contends that it signifies an only son, no less than the eldest of several. Paulus allows that here he is right, and Clement and Fritja seek in vain to demonstrate the impossibility of this signification. For when it is said in Exodus chapter 13 verse 2, prototokon protogenes, in the Septuagint, it was not merely a firstborn followed by others subsequently born, who was sanctified to Jehovah, but the fruit of the body of that mother, of whom no other child had previously been born. Therefore the term prototokos must of necessity bear also this signification. Truly, however, we must confess with Wiener and others, on the other side, that if a narrator who was acquainted with the whole sequel of the history used that expression, we should be tempted to understand it in its primitive sense since had the author intended to exclude other children, he would rather have employed the word monogenis, or would have connected it with prototokos. If this be not quite decisive, the reasoning of Fritja in reference to the heos u, etc., is more convincing. He rejects the citations adduced in support of the interpretation of the fathers of the church, proving that this expression, according to its primitive signification, affirms only to a given limit, and beyond that limit supposes the logical opposite of the affirmation to take place, a signification which it loses only when the context shows clearly that the opposite is impossible in the nature of things. For example, when it is said, uk eginosken autin heos u apethanen, it is self-evident that the negation, during the time elapsed till death, cannot be transformed after death into an affirmation. But when it is said, as in Matthew, uk eginosken autin heos u eteken, 
the giving birth to the divine fruit opposes no impossibility to the establishment of the conjugal relations on the contrary it renders it possible i e suitable for them now to take place olhausen impelled by the same doctrinal motives which influenced the fathers is led in this instance to contradict both the evidence of grammar and of logic he thinks that joseph without wishing to impair the sanctity of marriage must have concluded after the experiences he had had that his marriage with mary had another object than the production of children besides it was but natural in the last descendant of the house of david and of that particular branch from which the messiah should come forth to terminate her race in this last and eternal offshoot a curious ladder may be formed of these different beliefs and superstitions in relation to the connection between mary and joseph one contemporaries of jesus and composers of the genealogies joseph and mary man and wife jesus the offspring of their marriage two the age and authors of our histories of the birth of jesus mary and joseph betrothed only joseph having no participation in the conception of the child and previous to his birth no conjugal connection with mary three olhausen and others subsequent to the birth of jesus joseph though then the husband of mary relinquishes his matrimonial rights four epiphanius protoevangelium jacobi and others joseph a decrepit old man no longer to be thought of as a husband the children attributed to him are of a former marriage more especially it is not as a bride and wife that he receives mary he takes her merely under his guardianship five protoevangelium chrysostom and others mary's virginity was not only not destroyed by any subsequent births of children by joseph it was not in the slightest degree impaired by the birth of jesus six jerome not mary only but joseph also observed an absolute virginity and the pretended brothers of jesus were not his sons but merely cousins to jesus the opinion that the adelphoi or brothers and adelphi iesu or sisters of jesus mentioned in the new testament were merely half-brothers or indeed cousins appears in its origin as shown above together with the notion that no matrimonial connection ever subsisted between joseph and mary as the mere invention of superstition a circumstance highly prejudicial to such an opinion it is however no less true that purely exegetical grounds exist in virtue of which theologians who were free from prejudice have decided that the opinion that jesus actually had brothers is untenable had we merely the following passages matthew chapter 13 verse 55 mark chapter 6 verse 3 where the people of nazareth astonished at the wisdom of their countrymen in order to mark his well-known origin immediately after having spoken of the carpenter his father and his mother mary mention by name his brothers james joseph simon and judas together with his sisters whose names are not given again matthew chapter twelve verse forty six luke chapter eight verse nineteen 
when his mother and his brethren come to jesus john chapter 2 verse 12 where jesus journeys with his mother and his brethren to capernaum acts chapter 1 verse 14 where they are mentioned in immediate connection with his mother if we had these passages only we could not for a moment hesitate to recognize here real brothers of jesus at least on his mother's side children of joseph and mary not only on account of the proper signification of the word adelphos but also in consequence of its continual conjunction with mary and joseph even the passages john chapter seven verse five in which it is remarked that his brethren did not believe on jesus and mark chapter three verse twenty one compared with verse thirty one where according to the most probable explanation the brothers of jesus with his mother went out to lay hold of him as one beside himself furnish no adequate grounds for relinquishing the proper signification of adelphos many theologians have interpreted adelphus iesu in the last cited passage half-brothers sons of joseph by a former marriage alleging that the real brothers of jesus must have believed on him but this is a mere assumption the difficulty seems greater when we read in john chapter nineteen verse twenty six and following that jesus on the cross enjoined john to be a son to his mother an injunction it is not easy to regard as suitable under the supposition that mary had other children except indeed these were half-brothers and unfriendly to jesus nevertheless we can imagine the existence both of external circumstances and of individual feelings which might have influenced jesus to confide his mother to john rather than to his brothers that these brothers appeared in company with his apostles after the ascension in acts chapter one verse fourteen is no proof that they must have believed on jesus at the time of his death the real perplexity in the matter however originates in this that besides the james and joseph spoken of as the brothers of jesus two men of the same name are mentioned as the sons of another mary in mark chapter fifteen verse forty and forty seven chapter sixteen verse one and matthew twenty seven verse fifty six without doubt that mary who is designated in john chapter nineteen verse twenty five as the sister of the mother of jesus and the wife of cleophas so that we have a james and a joseph not only among the children of mary the mother of jesus but again among her sister's children we meet with several others among those immediately connected with jesus whose names are identical in the list of the apostles in matthew chapter ten verse two and following and luke chapter six verse fourteen and following we have two more of the name of james that is four the brother and cousin of jesus included two more of the name of judas that is three the brother of jesus included two of the name of simon also making three with the brother of jesus of the same name the question naturally arises whether the same individual is not here taken as distinct persons the supposition is almost unavoidable in reference to james as james the son of alpheus is 
in the list of the apostles, introduced after the son of Zebedee as the second, perhaps the younger, and as James, the cousin of Jesus, is called the less, in Mark chapter 15, verse 40, and since by comparing John chapter 19, verse 25, we find that the latter is called the son of Cleophas, it is possible that the name Cleophas, given to the husband of Mary's sister, and the name Alphaeus, given to the father of the apostle, may be only different forms of the Hebrew Kalav. Thus would the second James enumerated among the apostles and the cousin of Jesus of that name be identical, and there would remain besides him only the son of Zebedee and the brother of Jesus. Now in the Acts, chapter 15, verse 13, a James appears who takes a prominent part in the so-called apostolic council, and as, according to Acts chapter 12, verse 2, the son of Zebedee had previously been put to death, and, as in the foregoing portion of the book of the Acts, no mention is made of any other James besides the son of Alphaeus, in chapter 1, verse 13, so this James, of whom, in Acts chapter 15, verse 13, no more precise description is given, can be no other than the son of Alphaeus. But Paul speaks of a James, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 19, the Lord's brother, whom he saw at Jerusalem, and it is doubtless he of whom he speaks in connection with Cephas and John as the pillars of the church. For this is precisely in character with the apostle James as he appeared in the apostolic council so that this James may be considered as identical with the Lord's brother, and the rather as the expression, but other of the apostles saw I none, save James the Lord's brother, from Galatians chapter 1 verse 19, makes it appear as if the Lord's brother were reckoned among the apostles, with which also the ancient tradition which represents James the just, a brother of Jesus, as the first head of the church at Jerusalem, agrees. But admitting the James of the Acts to be identical with the distinguished apostle of that name, then he is the son of Alphaeus, and not the son of Joseph. Consequently, if he be at the same time Adelphos to Curiu, then Adelphos cannot signify a brother. Now, if Alphaeus and Cleophas are admitted to be the same individual, the husband of the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus, it is obvious that Adelphos, used to denote the relationship of his son to Jesus, must be taken in the signification cousin. If, after this manner, James the apostle, the son of Alphaeus, be identified with the same cousin, and the cousin be identified with the brother of Jesus of the same name, it is obvious that Iudas Iacobu, in the catalogue of the apostles in Luke, from Luke chapter 6, verse 16, and Acts chapter 1, verse 13, must be translated brother of James, that is, son of Alphaeus. And this apostle Jude must be held as identical with the Jude Adelphos Iesu, that is, with the cousin of the Lord and son of Mary Cleophas though the name of Jude is never mentioned in connection with this Mary. If the epistle of Jude in our canon be authentic, it is confirmatory in the above deduction that the author, 
from verse 1, designates himself as the brother of James. Some, moreover, have identified the apostle Simon, Zelotes, or the Canaanite, with the Simon enumerated among the brothers of Jesus, from Mark chapter 6, verse 3, and who, according to a tradition of the church, succeeded James as head of the church at Jerusalem, so that Joseph alone appears without further designation or appellative. If, accordingly, those spoken of as Adelphoi Iesu were merely cousins, and three of these were apostles, it must excite surprise that not only in the Acts, chapter 1, verse 14, after an enumeration of the apostles, the brothers of Jesus are separately particularized, but that also, from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5, they appear to be a class distinct from the apostles. Perhaps also the passage Galatians chapter 1, verse 19, ought to be understood as indicating that James, the Lord's brother, was not an apostle. If, therefore, the Adelphoi Iesu seem thus to be extruded from the number of the apostles, it is yet more difficult to regard them merely as the cousins of Jesus, since they appear in so many places immediately associated with the mother of Jesus, and in two or three passages only are two men bearing the same names mentioned in connection with the other Mary, who, accordingly, would be their real mother. The Greek word adelphos may indeed signify, in language which pretends not to precision, as well as the Hebrew ach, a more distant relative. But, as it is repeatedly used to express the relationship of these persons to Jesus, and is in no instance replaced by anepsios, a word which is not foreign to the New Testament language when the relation of cousin is to be denoted, see Colossians chapter 4 verse 10, it cannot well be taken in any other than its proper signification. Further, it need only be pointed out that the highest degree of uncertainty exists respecting not only the identity of the names Alpheus and Cleophas, upon which the identity of James, the cousin of Jesus, and of the apostle James the less rests, but also regarding the translation of Eudas Iacobu by the brother of James, and likewise respecting the assumed identity of the author of the last Catholic epistle with the apostle Jude. Thus, the web of this identification gives way at all points, and we are forced back to the position whence we set out so that we have again real brothers of Jesus, also two cousins distinct from these brothers, though bearing the same names with two of them, besides some apostles of the same names with both brothers and cousins. To find two pairs of sons of the same names in a family is, indeed, not so uncommon as to become a source of objection. It is, however, remarkable that the same James, who in the epistle to the Galatians is designated the Lord's brother, must unquestionably, according to the Acts of the Apostles, be regarded as the son of Alpheus, which he could not be if this expression signified a brother. So there is a perplexity on every side, which can only be solved, and then indeed but negatively and without historical result, 
by admitting the existence of obscurity and error on this point in the New Testament writers, and even in the very earliest Christian traditions. Error which, in matters of involved relationships and family names, is far more easily fallen into than avoided. We have, consequently, no ground for denying that the mother of Jesus bore her husband several other children besides Jesus, younger and perhaps also older, the latter because the representation in the New Testament that Jesus was the firstborn may belong no less to the mythos than the representation of the fathers that he was an only son. End of section 30